Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, February 28th of 2019, and uh, we have a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. We're really uh, thrilled to announce that we're going to be pushing doing more link audits, and so I'm going to talk at the end of this episode about our reasonings for doing that and how, if you're interested in having a link audit done, uh, how you can possibly connect with us to do that. Um, There's a lot of stuff that's in this newsletter, though. So let's see if we can get through this. Uh, I want to really give a thank you to those of you who have reached out to me on Twitter. Uh, Last week, we had an issue with publishing our uh, podcast in, I don't know exactly what happened, but it didn't get pushed out to iTunes and and whatnot until just a couple of days ago. Um, And I had people reaching out on Twitter to say, hey, we miss your podcast. Is it not happening this week? And it blows my mind that all of you would want to listen uh, to what I I have to say about the SEO news. Um, really, we're in such an amazing industry. Like, there's so much that we can learn. If you're the type of person who likes to learn, likes to help other people, like, this is a really exciting industry to be in. So, thank you for being a listener. Thank you if you're a newsletter subscriber. Um, and enough of me gushing about how thankful I am. Let's kind of move on here. Um, let's talk about uh, algorithm updates as we always do. It looks like there was some type of a quality update uh, around. February 23rd to 24th. Barry Schwartz reported it as the 22nd. Um, For sites that I'm seeing changes in, it seems to be either the 23rd or the 24th. Um, It's not a massive update. Nowhere near on the scale of August 1st or September 27th, uh, but rather it looks like a few of the sites that we've worked with to make quality improvements saw a little bit of a bump up starting around this time. Uh, One of the sites that uh, we did some disavow work for saw a significant boost up as well. So I think a lot of these, you know, we, we used to separate when there's an update, we used to say, ah, this is a quality update. This is a link update. Um, And it's getting very hard to distinguish distinguish quality updates from link updates. And I think a lot of that has to do with EAT, that uh, if Google doesn't trust your site so much, then they're going to put less emphasis on trusting the links to pointing to your site. And so you can see things that are all tied together, that it could be a hit because of the overall quality of your site, um, and that could make your links count for less. This is just a theory that I have. Uh, But um, the point is that if you were affected negatively by February 22nd to 24th, I would look at link quality as well as overall site quality. Um, And just as always, as I have said for almost every update in the last two years, is uh, if you were negatively affected by a Google algorithm update, really pay attention to Google's quality raters guidelines. I honestly do feel that um, almost every update that we've had in the last two years can be tied back to something that the quality raters guidelines say is a sign of high quality or low quality. So I know I probably sound like a bit of a broken record talking about uh, paying attention to the quality raters guidelines, but this really is our best piece of information that Google has given us on what they consider to be high or low quality in a website. 
Um, Google announced that there's now domain-wide data available in Search Console. So if you remember, for a while, Google gave us the option to create sets, uh, meaning that if you had the www version of your site, the non-www, you had the HTTPS, you had maybe an HTTP version um, in the past. And so we would have to manually add those as a set unless you wanted to see each of those as an individual property in Search Console. Um, in most cases, really, like there should just be one canonical version. So if your website uses HTTPS and www, that's all you really need to have um, registered in Search Console. But it's not a bad idea to get those other variants registered. I've seen weird cases where there was a penalty on just the HTTP version. Um, I had somebody contact me this week where uh, they had a penalty um, and it, it was a pure spam penalty. Uh, and from what we could tell, I think the site was looked as if they were cloaking. And it was because the www version of their site had completely different content than uh, the non-www version. So if you had that uh, verified in Search Console, you'd be able to see that. So I going back, apparently now Google's just going to automatically give us domain-wide data. Doesn't matter what if whether you're www, non-www, whatever. Um, the problem is though that right now the only way that this happens automatically is if you verified your domain in Search Console using DNS verification which most people don't do. Um, so when I tweeted about this, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's very easy to do. You know, you can just set it up. But here's the thing. We ask for Search Console access for a lot of sites. Like anytime we do a site review, we want to see Search Console access. And it is really common where business owners have no clue how to add people in Search Console. So we wrote a post about it just a couple of weeks ago to explain, you know, how do I add people? And even that is complicated for small business owners, for some of them. I mean, some are, are more technical savvy than others. So the point is that, uh, you know, if you use DNS verification, then that's awesome. You, you probably have domain-wide data in Search Console right away. Um, it looks like you can still manually consolidate these domains, but I'm not sure how that's different than the sets that they had before. So not really a big deal, but uh, if you are aware of potentially having separate issues affecting different parts of your site. Or here's a good example. If you have an MDOT uh, version of your uh, website, which a lot of people do. I mean, even I think Amazon still uses MDOT. They're not responsive. Um, then, uh, you know, that's the type of thing where you would be getting a separate search console for your MDOT version of your site as compared to your main domain. Uh, and so you might want to consolidate those. So I think uh, Barry Schwartz wrote something just after we published newsletter that said that you can actually select this when you're setting up search console. I'm not quite sure how to do it now that you've already got search console for your site. Um, but I think it probably should be fairly intuitive once we, uh, we start to do that. Uh, Google has a new um, version of test my site for, for site speed. So if you go to, uh, I think it's at thinkwithgoogle.com and uh, they've always had this test my site report. It's been around for a while. Um, but one thing, so we just, I played around with it for just a few minutes before we published newsletter. And uh, it gives really good speed information. And it gives you very easy to understand screenshots that just say like, uh, oh, you know, your images have issues and here's how you would fix those. Um, and they are good things that I think you can just 
uh, screenshot and put into a report um, to give clients very practical advice on how to be improving their page speed. I mean, assuming that you're not doing all the work yourself. So uh, I would encourage you to try your own site in there. If you just Google uh, test my site with Google um, and then, you know, see what happens for your own site. I'm not sure if this is on the current version, but I'll tell you a little tip from what we used to gather from the old version is uh, if you put in your site, it'll say, here's how you compare to other sites in the health industry, in the legal industry. And that's a little tip, right? Because we were looking at some sites where we're saying, especially when we're looking at EAT, we would say, ah, we feel like you're lacking legal EAT. And we think that Google has you classified as a legal site. And sure enough, when we run this test my site with Google, we can see that they've classified you against other legal sites. And in, I mean, in some situations, like if you're a lawyer, it's obvious you're a legal site. But, um, you know, if you were a site that uh, maybe offered medical information with a little bit of legal advice, it's important to know where your EAT lies or where your classification lies. Because if Google has you listed as a legal site, and yet you um, have all of this medical information and you're lacking medical EAT, you're going to have a hard time ranking for that. So I'd encourage you to check that out. I don't know if that classification is still there on the new tool, though. Um, let's see what else we could do here. Uh, oh, let's talk a little bit about Google Discover. Um, those of you who use Android phones probably noticed that Google's trying to change the feed um, on my own phone. So I use a, I, I just got a Pixel 3 XL, which by the way, if you're thinking of getting a new phone, I absolutely love it. It's uh, I had a Samsung S7 Edge before and the Pixel is so much better. I mean, granted, it's a couple years newer, but uh, definitely recommended, but I digress. So there's a news feed from Google, right? And it you can train it. So I can see, I see stories about the NFL because I'm interested in that. And when a story comes up about an NBA player, I'm not that interested in basketball. So I can click this little thing uh, to say, I want to see less of this, or I don't want to, you know, I, we went to a Detroit Pits, Pistons game recently. And uh, now Google's trying to show me all this information on the Pistons. I really don't care about the Pistons. My apologies to those of you who are big Pistons fans. It sounds like it's not a good year for you. Um, the point being, I just uh, clicked in my Discover feed that uh, I didn't want to see information about the Detroit Pistons. And so now my feed is really good at showing me uh, stuff about SEO, stuff about fantasy football. I'm also getting into Fortnite, which is really funny. So I see a lot of Fortnite news in my Google Discovery feed. The reason why I'm mentioning this is as marketers, um, apparently we might soon get information on um, appearance of your website in Google Discover, uh, and that'll appear in Search Console. I think this is probably mostly an issue for news sites, although I think I see, I see articles from non-news sites in my Discover feed too, I think. So something to pay attention to. I mean, at this point, it's probably not widely adopted, uh, but um, it would be great if we could measure that and see, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't really have tips for optimizing for Google Discover uh, at this point, but I think it's something that we should be paying attention to. 
Chrome's got a new feature that it says scroll to text. And I'm not exactly sure how we implement this, but apparently you can now link to a specific word on a page um, by using uh, the newest version of Chrome. It's not live in the version of Chrome that I have at this point, but um, that's something that I'm going to be paying attention to and seeing, you know, if, if people are linking to a specific word on your page, maybe you're more likely to rank highly for that word. Um, it's interesting, you know, so we'll, we'll pay attention to that as well. Um, uh, let's see, we'll skip over a couple little news items because I really want to talk a lot about disavowing at the end of this. Uh, oh, some people no noted that there's some new featured snippets that don't have links to websites. And this is kind of a scary thing, right? And I feel like this is happening, that Google is able to grab content from all around the web. And then if I have a question about a particular subject, I might get all of the answers to that question in the search results, you know, and never have to clip on, click on a, a result and go to a website. That's not good news for anybody who runs you know, any sort of informational website. Um, so Google, I know Danny Sullivan had a few comments on this and Google wants to, uh, you know, he said the future of Google search is to continue supporting the ecosystem. And I think what he means by that is, you know, Google doesn't want to just go around and rip off bloggers and, and websites. If, websites hate Google, you know, eventually they're going to get, Google's going to get less information. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion on whether it's fair that Google takes our information and then people would say, well, you know, you can just block Google from having your information, but that's dumb because everybody uses Google. So, um, just be aware that uh, I think the answer to this is to actually just produce better content. Um, produce content. If you have a page of content and it's something that the user really could just get their answer from a featured snippet, maybe you don't need that content. Or maybe you need to have more expanded version of that content. So if I'm going to write an article, um, you know, for example, I just wrote an article about disavowing and our thoughts on disavowing. Um, if some of that got pulled as a featured snippet, there's so much information in the article that people would have to read the whole article to get the whole story. So I would just encourage people to, as always, try to cover every aspect of a story. And, um, you know, don't publish content just for the sake of having content on your website. If you don't think it's going to be um, consumed by people, then you really have to consider whether it's important to have it on your content. It was an interesting discussion on Reddit about fig captions. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually did not know what fig captions were. So fig captions is an HTML tag, very similar to an alt attribute. Here's a, a little tidbit for you or a bit of trivia. Uh, if anybody ever talks about alt tags, technically that's not right. They're supposed to be alt attributes, not alt tags. I really don't care. If you want to call it an alt tag, that's that's fine. Um, but what they are is a way of saying, uh, here's the caption for an image as opposed to the alternate tag. Now an alt, <laughs> an alternate attribute, an alt attribute is primarily there as I understand it for accessibility. So, um, you know, if, if people are having uh, um, 
uh, troubles, vision problems in seeing your site, if you have good alt text on your alt attributes, then somebody who has vision issues and potentially can't see your images can still get a good description of what the image is. Now we know that Google uses alt text in ranking. Um, that's been tested. I haven't seen a recent test, but I don't think anything's changed there. Um, so you want to use keywords in your alt text within reason. I mean, if you're using little placeholders, images, and every one of them has your main keyword in it, that's that's a bit of overkill. Um, but if you have an image that is of a product, make sure you use the proper alt uh, captions on that. Now, captions are different. The New York Times apparently is using this fig captions thing. So that really means figure captions. And what John Mueller said in the Reddit post, if I understand it correctly, is that fig captions can help users. Um, they can be used by search engines, but they're not the same strength of signal as alt attributes. So I don't know. I've, I've actually never seen anybody use fig captions, but it's interesting that the New York Times is doing that. Somebody also asked John Mueller about the use of hidden content, um, again, for accessibility. So uh, this is interesting because in some cases, um, you may want to hide certain content uh, that has to be clicked on. And it's, con I'm trying to think of a good example. It's um, content that would make it easier for uh, people with vision problems, maybe hearing problems. Um, but, you know, to be able to better access your uh, content. And so I'm just going to read out what John said. It's awesome to see more sites make their content accessible to everyone. Kudos on trying to work out the best approach. Using something like that is fine, meaning uh, hiding content behind um, clickable features. In general, what happens in a case like this is that we focus on the visible primary content of the page and de-emphasize the hidden or out of view content. So this is again still John saying, so if you're providing extra content and hints like that, that would be fine. There's no penalty or demotion for having such additional content on a page. At the same time, it's not something where it would make sense to stuff keywords in the hope that Google picks them up. So the point here, and I mean, we've mentioned this lots of times that if you have content that's hidden behind tabs, a really good example of this is reviews. Uh, if you have product pages and your reviews are hidden behind a tab, that's often better for users. Uh, um, because, you know, it, it's all there in one space. Users can click on this tab and they can see the reviews. The problem is it's hard for search engines. So review content, if it's unique to your site, it can be really valuable user-generated content. And you don't want to hide that behind tabs because you're potentially sending Google the message that this content is not as valuable as other things on the page. Um, if you want to determine whether Google can actually index that content, then take a section of a review, assuming that's what the hidden content is, and search for it in quotes on Google. And you can see whether it's indexed. However, just because it's indexed doesn't mean that it's seen as important. So we do not recommend putting things behind tabs. Um, Google had said that with mobile first indexing, there really shouldn't be a demotion. There was a very interesting study though by Dejan SEO uh, that said, that showed that actually it did look like content that was hidden behind tabs had a harder time ranking. So we would not encourage people to do that. Um, and in a lot of, you know, I said it was better for users to have reviews on their own tab, but not always. I mean, maybe people won't see that. So um, yeah, I would say if, if something is important and it's unique and relevant to the page, I would not want to see it hidden behind tabs. 
Uh, a few tips from Google Help Hangouts. Uh, we had a couple of Help Hangouts since the last uh, newsletter was published, and I've tweeted a few of our tips, but you can go to um, the Help Hangouts section of mariehaines.com and see uh, a summary of everything that John Mueller has said and, and our interpretation of uh, what he said. So we've tried to write it in a way that you can very easily skim this post and just pick out what's relevant to your site. Uh, here's one question that was asked is, if a page was ranking for certain keywords and then you redirect it to a new page, can the new page rank for those keywords? So the thing is, um, what John said was that when they see a redirect, they try to figure out whether the subject matter is the same, whether it's still relevant. So it's not like if you had a page on green widgets and you redirected it to a page about cats, then it's not like that cat page is going to start ranking for green widgets. But if you had a page on green widgets and you redirected that to a page on blue widgets, which is essentially the same as the green ones, then there's a good chance that those signals will pass. Um, and Meaning, what I mean by that is if people have linked to the green widget page, those links should pass value onto the, the uh, blue widget page. So the reason why I'm saying this is this is a big issue when you're buying an expired domain. Uh, if you picked up a, an expired domain from some you know library that closed down in your business, in your city, and you redirected all those pages to your plumbing website, there's a good chance that Google's going to recognize that uh, there's no reason to pass those signals. Um, now, I hesitate in saying this because this is not within Google's guidelines, probably, but where you might see some benefit is if you picked up a domain that was related to your website um, and that domain has all of these issues uh, that are the same issues that you deal with. Potentially, if you redirect links from that website to yours, you could see some benefits. The issue with that, though, is that Google's pretty good in a lot of cases in picking up where a domain changes ownership. Um, and we've seen cases where we've redirected links and really felt like we would see, uh, not, not from expired domains, we don't do that for our clients, but from um, four or four pages that were good pages and had good links. And we've redirected them to other pages on the site and not seen a lot of benefit from that. So, um, you know, I think Google... They're fairly good at recognizing when a link to a piece of content is actually recommending that content. Uh, somebody asked John if your site loads quickly for users, but Google's PageSpeed Insight tool um, calls it slow. Should I act on that? So, of course, the Google answer to this is always, you know, it's always better to improve your page speed. But we realize that things have to be prioritized, right? So if Google's PageSpeed Insights tool tells me that my site is slow, but users are not finding it slow, it's probably not a big deal. The problem, though, is that it's often hard to know if other users are finding your site slow because your site's going to load fast for you. I mean, you have things cached. Uh, you know what where the content is on the page and are ready to read it right away. Um, so one thing that you can do, a, a lot of people don't realize that analytics has, Google Analytics has a whole section for page speed timings. Um, and you can actually look, you can break it down and say, oh, you know, when people visit me from this particular country, that they're, uh, they, the pages tend to take 20 seconds to load. Um, and I mean, you can, you can look at Google Analytics and see like, oh, these certain pages are taking a longer time to load for people. And that's supposed to be real life, real time data. So, um, you know, if you're seeing that, and I 
I know some of you are saying, well, how long is too long? I've seen studies that say if it takes more than three seconds, it's going to uh, make it less likely that a user will convert. Uh, and I think it really varies. I, I think anything under five seconds, in my opinion, for a load time where users can see the information that they're wanting to go to the page to see, I think that's fine. Um, but it can vary from industry to industry. Uh, let's skip over a couple things here because as always, there's too much stuff to talk about in, in just one week. Somebody asked uh, whether Google adjusts their algorithms for specific industries. And John said no, but they can adjust algorithms for specific queries. Uh, he said, if we see, for example, that people are getting confusing information for medical queries, then maybe we need to improve how we recognize the relevance of search results for medical queries. So this is likely a big part of the August 1st update. Um, you know, we saw sites that were ranking for generic drug terms. So think uh, amoxicillin. Um, and yet the site, you know, really wasn't about that. Um, and so Google recognized that uh, this this site really isn't a medical site. It's not got medical EAT. Um, and we're ranking it for these queries where users are actually looking for like the type of information you'd find on WebMD or uh, drugs.com, something like that. So um, I, I guess the point here is if you've lost rankings in an algorithm update, one thing you might want to do is look at what keywords specifically dropped. And often we can find a pattern. We can say, look, it's just your medical keywords that dropped or it's, uh, um, you know, just this certain subset of pages. And then you can decide, like, maybe that content shouldn't be on our site. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're mentioning amoxicillin, but you're actually uh, a blog, uh, a website that deals with senior health issues. Um, and so instead of writing a generic post about just amoxicillin, you could write about the important things that seniors need to know about use of amoxicillin. I don't think there's anything specific to seniors for that drug, but um, the point being that uh, Google's getting better at figuring out which websites are relevant to which queries. There was a bit of discussion on uh, whether it's okay to use UTM tracking on internal links. The general consensus is that it's not a good idea. So we actually use this on some of our internal links on our website. So I'm going to be paying more attention to that. Um, I guess, I mean, it does make sense. It can be hard to track uh, overall stats in analytics, although really... If you're searching properly in analytics, it shouldn't be a big deal. I don't know. The general consensus is that we should not be using UTM tracking on internal links. I have to tell you, I don't feel like I have a full handle on this discussion. So um, if you have more information on that, feel free to reach out to me. You can uh, contact my team at help at mariehaines.com. Anytime you hear something in the newsletter where you're like, wait, I can add to that, um, then feel free to do that. Uh, my team is getting pretty good at screening my email. So start your email with, uh, hey, I heard this on the newsletter and you invited us to write to you. Um, and then that'll get forwarded to me. So um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Some people noticed that uh, they were getting emails from Search Console showing a drop in performance. Uh, this one person, Vance Moore, had posted on Twitter that he got a an email from Google saying 48% drop in weekly clicks for a particular property. I haven't seen this for any of our properties, but uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, although uh, I'm looking at this um, screenshot that he shared and this 48% drop uh, it says there's 14 fewer clicks this week than the previous week. So I think that's kind of hard to judge when you only have 
uh, what, 28 people coming to your website in a, in a week. Um, point being here, uh, hopefully this information will be helpful to people, um, not just random like, hey, we noticed this random drop in a page that barely gets any traffic to start with. Um, but uh, I'll, I'm interested to see what to, what comes out of that. Um, this is really interesting. Those of you who use the Wayback Machine, and if you don't, you should be, archive.org has a copy of like almost every website uh, on the web and you can look back and it'll take uh, screenshots. Well, not even screenshots. It'll actually archive the website itself uh, as it appeared in the past. And often things don't work like there can be CSS that's broken or images that don't work, but you can get a really good sense. Um, we use this when we're looking at traffic drops where we can say like, oh yeah, you know what? Before the drop, you had these words on the page and after the drop, it turns out that you had removed a bunch of internal links. So that could contribute to the drop, um, that type of thing. But here's the cool part that uh, um, somebody named Zeldman tweeted uh, saying that you can save any URL in archive.org by typing um, in your URL, your browser bar, web.archive.org slash save slash and then put the rest of the URL. So the example that he gives is if somebody uh, tweeted something that you know they're going to delete and you want to keep a reference of it online, then you can actually save it in archive.org and it'll save a version at that time. Or I think another good use of this would be, um, let's say you wanted to monitor a, a client site um after they're doing some site design changes and you wanted to be able to go back and see what it looked like before. Now, obviously it would be better to actually have a log of changes made and actually have an, a, a version of your site that exists on your servers. Um, but the reality is that not all sites do that. So if it was your client, you could say, okay, I want to save this page on archive.org um, just in case archive hasn't actually visited the page on that day. And then you can go back to it at any point and say, oh, yeah, it used to look like this. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, we'll be making use of that, I'm pretty sure. There wasn't a whole lot of local SEO news. Uh, Joy Hawkins reported that Google posts are starting to surface in the three pack. Uh, so um, that's kind of interesting. The screenshot that she showed actually just has a little icon to show that like, oh, there's a Google post for this business. I don't think that's going to bring people a lot of business, uh, but it's interesting to see, you know, Google wants us to create more Google posts. And uh, if they can make them more visible, then more people will be posting on Google posts, which gives Google more content. Uh, to put on the search results. So it's a win-win all around for everybody. Um, uh, let's see. I think we'll skip over those. Oh, yeah. If you are getting Google Assistant calls, I think we talked about this last week. That's a thing you have to opt out of manually. Um, so if Google, so Google Assistant can use machine learning to basically make a phone call to your business. And uh, a lot of people have opted out of that. And it turns out that Google is opting people back in. <laughs> so something's wrong there. So if you're getting calls from Google Assistant at this point, uh, there's no obvious way to turn those off. Um, so I think that'll probably change over time. Similarly, if you're using Google My Business messaging, that's still not working for a lot of businesses. Um, I know a lot of businesses that we set up, set it up with SMS texting and apparently that's not an option now and it's still working for some of those businesses. So if you're having trouble um, getting messages via Google My Business, then um, that 
could potentially be why. And hopefully uh, Google's working on fixing those. Uh, So the last thing we want to talk about is our announcement about link audits. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that, uh, you know, recently John Mueller gave us some more evidence that it might be helpful to do some disavow work. So what he said, uh, this was when I actually was able to attend a live help hangout in New York City. And so I was right there in the room when John said all of this stuff. I actually asked him the question that got it, um, the, the this discussion going. And what I asked was uh, whether links could hurt us algorithmically. I'm not going to recap all this. You can listen to past episodes. You can find it on our website. Uh, And I actually just published a new post uh, on our blog about why we are now doing more link audits. So the point is that John actually did say that, yes, if you have a large number of unnatural links, then those could cause Google to look at all of your links and say, oh, we don't trust them so much. And so that can impact rankings. And John said that, yes, if you clean up those links by either removing them or disavowing them, that that can change the algorithms in in the way that they now favor, they now trust your good links. And so we did a few, we've done a little bit of disavow work. And, you know, we slowed down tremendously because Google told us that they just ignore unnatural links. So why would we ask Google to ignore links they're already ignoring? And uh, the ones that we did, we had a couple of sites where we saw no improvement after disavowing, but we had some sites where we saw really nice improvement. Um, And in a lot of those cases, uh, we did other things as well. So we can't say, ah, it was just the disavow that helped. But in some of the cases, all we did was disavow and they saw really nice improvements. So we are going to start offering link auditing and disavowing again as a service. If you have had a report done uh, for a site quality review by my team and me uh, in the last couple of years, and we've recommended link auditing as maybe an option, then I I would revisit that. Um, If you want to uh, have us audit your links, we're starting to accumulate a fair bit of a waiting list at this point. So now's the time to get in. I know that sounds really markety, but if you are interested in having your links audited then our my team we've spent many hours looking at what is it that google considers an unnatural link what kind of patterns trigger uh, google's algorithms and i mean i don't claim to know it 100 percent, but i've seen hundreds of examples of uh, unnatural links that have been given in manual actions by google and we, you know, anytime John Mueller, Gary Ish, anybody from Google gives us information that could hint at what a link is uh, to be considered natural or unnatural, then we've got notes on that. You know, we have, we actually, uh, our help hangout document notes ran out. We reached the, the limit of what we could put in Google Docs. I think it was 500 and some pages. We had to start a volume two. And we have that many notes on every time Google says something like, oh, this could be considered unnatural. So I wrote in my post uh, that I just published a list of the types of links that um, could prompt me to want to disavow. And that got a lot of flack on Twitter. There's a lot of people that agreed with me, uh, but there's a lot of people saying, you know, well, if I've done rampant guest posting and I disavow those links, I could do more harm than good. And you're right. It's possible. So in our experience, we've yet to see a site see a decline after filing a disavow. Um, We've seen some sites see improvements. If you know the right links to disavow, then you really should not see a drop in traffic at all. Um, And so in my opinion, if you know what you're doing with the disavow tool, 
you only can see benefits from it. Um, a lot of people would disagree with me on that. So Again, if you're interested in having my team take a look at your links, one of the things that we're offering too is just a link overview. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to have the full link audit done, but we can spend a couple of hours just picking out links that potentially could be a problem. And then we'll give our opinion on whether you need a full link audit. Um, and again, I know that's kind of, you have to trust us in order to do that uh, because we're, you know, it would seem likely that we would say, oh yeah, everybody needs a link audit. But this isn't the case. We often tell people, no, we don't think that spending the time auditing your links is going to help. So that's all I'm going to do for a sales pitch for that. Those of you who offer link auditing, I think you should reach out to your clients and uh, and say like, hey, there's new evidence now that shows that there could be some benefit from disavowing links. I want to emphasize that that there are some links that a lot of people disavow that you don't need to. Um, if you have links from spammy image sites, from uh, sites that have scraped the yellow pages or well-known directories, it's not, it doesn't hurt to disavow those, but those are not the types of links that, in my opinion, can hurt you algorithmically. The ones that we're looking for are ones where you've actively gone and broken Google's terms of service. Google has a whole section on... Uh, on uh, link schemes and uh, all of the tips that I put, you know, for types of links that I would disavow are taken from the link schemes guide from Google. I didn't make those up. So point being, if you have uh, clients who need link audit work and you're comfortable in knowing which links to disavow, I would reach out to them and, uh, and say, you know, maybe it's time for us to do a link audit. Um, we're probably going to open up some type of a referral program. If you want to send that client to us to just have us audit your links and we'll do, uh, all that we can to not vilify you as an SEO. You know, it, we see this happen often where we get, uh, an SEO sends us uh, a client and then we point out a bunch of links that are unnatural and and it turns out that the SEO had built those links. Um, we have ways of communicating with the client and saying, like, you know, at the time when those were built, this was a tactic that was working well. Um, and we feel like we should probably shift away from that. And maybe, you know, the worst of these we could disavow. So anyways, if you're interested in referring work to us, uh, again, help at mariehaines.com. And in the future, we will probably have some type of a referral program uh, for those of you who have clients but don't feel comfortable auditing their links. And uh, that I'm really excited about because we're going to be able to help a lot of businesses, hopefully, to see good improvements. So that's how I'm going to end it at this point. Um, I am off to Florida next week, uh, speaking at SFEMA, the uh, PubCon Florida conference. This conference is fantastic. If you're anywhere near Fort Lauderdale, I would really encourage you to uh, to, to go to it. Um, I'm putting on a one-day seminar on link building with Dixon Jones and Ann Smarty. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I'll be speaking on Google's Quality Raiders guidelines and also talking on link quality as well. So with that, I wish you the best of luck with your rankings and uh, we will talk soon.